We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. No Rain fans, welcome back to another, I think this is our, what, third edition today of uh, of the Irish Breakdown podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and we are going to talk recruiting. We're going to talk about Jack Nichols' decommitment from Notre Dame, what happened, what's next for Notre Dame, and let's just dive right in. So if if you've been paying attention, if you're a, if you're a frequent m- listener of the Friday Mailbag, I've been kind of hinting about this for a while. I think it was about three weeks ago. I, I said that I expect the Notre Dame to take Holden Stace and Eli Raritan. I do not expect Notre Dame to take three diff- commitments or three tight ends in the class. That was about as close as I was getting ready to tell you that I expected this move to happen. So let's get a couple things out in the open. Number one, Notre Dame did not pull Jack Nickel scholarship. Notre Dame did not tell Jack Nickel he didn't have a spot in this class. They did not tell him. Uh, that they didn't didn't really want him in the class. It was essential, essentially like this. We'll get into the reasons why, but Notre Dame realized that they wanted to take two more tight ends in the class. There were just two guys that were just too good to not take. Now, they have to land those guys still, and that would be Holden Stace and Eli Raritan. But at the same time, they had Jack Nichols. So they let Jack know from the very beginning, you have a spot in this class. If you want to be with us, We'd love to have you. He's been a great kid. He's been a great representative of the class, all those type of things. And But they also just knew that they needed to get better. And here's what I like about it. I hate that they had that they that this move happened because I feel bad for the kid. But at the same time, 
I, I was frustrated with them taking Jack Nichols as early as they did. He's a good, solid football player. I gave him a three-and-a-half-star ranking as a top two, 350 kid. If you're ranking in the top 350, you're a good football player. But I just felt like at Notre Dame, with the way you recruit tight end, that's not the kind of kid you take especially early on. So I felt like they took it too early. What I like about it is that they didn't just say, well, our bad, and just not take a good player. They said, look, we messed up, but we're going we're gonna to make it. Well, I don't say they messed up. A uh, uh, situation has changed, and we're going to go after some better players. And they did that, and, and I like that. I respect that, and I think this is a good move because I think that there are better tight ends to get, not just in this year's class, but in next year's class. So I feel like this is this is a, a positive for Notre Dame, even though you know it looks bad when the kid decommits. But I just want to make sure that we're all clear on this is not a situation of Notre Dame forcing a kid out, Notre Dame taking a kid scholarship, anything like that. Um, but I do think in the end, this is going to be something that's good for Notre Dame. And so essentially where we are with this is Notre Dame was up front with Jack and uh, Jack Nickel and Jack and his family made the decision to say, it's probably best if we go elsewhere. And so I think that's going to be something that works out for both parties. I think Jack is going to get to go to a school where he's going to be the number one tight end in the class, or, or, you know, perhaps number two, as opposed to being number three in this class and not only number three, but number three, and that's a year after you signed Kane Barong and Mitchell Evans. And I and I think even though Jack graded out higher for me right now, based on where they were as high school players, I think Mitchell has a higher ceiling because he's a player that's still learning how to play the position. So he was going to have a hard time getting on the field. And I think this is going to be a good move for Jack. This is going to work out well for him. He, again, he's a good football player. There are ACC schools that would love to have Jack Nickel in their class. It's just that Notre Dame recruits the tight end position as well, if not better than anybody in the country. And they're just were significant. And I'm not talking like, you know, Jack Nichols, the number 350 player in the country, and Eli Raritan's number 325, and Holden Stace is 310. In my view, and, and I believe this to be true for Notre Dame, these guys are significantly better players, like top 200 caliber players, where Jack Nichols more of a, a 350 to 400. So, I think in that regards, this is a move that's going to benefit Notre Dame. And, and, and that's kind of how this has happened. And this has been in the works for a while, which is why I I dropped the hints in the past that I have and and, and why we've continued to say that, yes, I expect Notre Dame to continue to recruit Eli Raritan and Holden Stace because I think once they were honest with Jack, they kind of knew that he was eventually going to leave. And what what I they were allowed able to do is kind of say, hey, when it's your time, if you make that decision, you can do it at your time. But there again, there was no forcing out uh, of Jack Nigel of this class from the Notre Dame staff. Now, so what's next for Notre Dame? We'll, we'll dive it. We'll talk about that briefly here before we get into um, some of your questions. If you guys have any questions about this, we'll 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 talk first about tight end recruiting. But if there's some other stuff that comes up during it, we can certainly we can certainly go there. So what's next for Notre Dame is now it's time to kind of open up that opportunity for you to really make a push for Holden Stace and Eli Raritan. And now you're doing it without a tight end in the class. So before it's like, well, you know, you're going to be the second or third tight end in the class. Now it's like, look, we're going to take, you know, two, two, two tight ends. And I think they're in a situation where if they just get one of those two, they're fine. I don't think this is a situation where let's just say Notre Dame only gets Eli Raritan or only gets Holden Stace and the other one goes somewhere else. I don't view that as a loss for Notre Dame because when I look at their tight end recruiting, you've got Michael Mayer, who's going to be a junior. He's probably gone after three years, I would imagine. 
But Kevin Bauman's going to be a redshirt freshman. When this class shows up on campus, Kevin Bauman will be a redshirt sophomore. You have the current freshman class, Kane Barong and Mitchell Evans, who will be at worst true sophomores when this class shows up. So I think you're in a good position there to, to really feel like you've got good depth. You don't need a second tight end in this class, but if you can get one that's a, a legitimate top-level player, which I believe Holden Stace and, and Eli Raritan both are, and, and they're also guys that don't necessarily need to play right away or, or maybe even shouldn't play right away. They're both kind of raw. We'll see how they develop as seniors. And, and Holden's raw from a developing his game standpoint. Eli's a little bit raw from a he's got to build up his body standpoint. Of course, that could change over the next year for both of them, but that's where they are right now as juniors. So when you look at this and you say, if they can just get one of those guys, that's an upgrade at tight end. If they can get both of them, it's a really strong haul at tight end. And now you're also protected, and here's where you could get in trouble numbers-wise. If Mitchell Evans doesn't pan out, because again, we don't know because he's never played tight end. If he doesn't pan out or maybe he outgrows the position or, or something along those lines, if there is an injury, a second, a second tight end in this class, to me, protects you numbers-wise. So you're okay numbers-wise with just one if everything goes according to plan. Nobody leaves early, nobody transfers, nobody gets injured, nobody has to move positions. By getting two in this class, you're now really set. Even if you lose someone, you're, you're really set and protected. And if you don't lose someone, then Notre Dame is absolutely loaded at tight end and, and, and moving forward. So that's where I see it. I don't think this is a, a tight end class nationally that's loaded with a lot of, you know, top 50 national recruits. Uh, it's not a great tight end class from an elite standpoint. But what I think is unique about the two players that Notre Dame is going after, Eli Raritan and Holden Stace, is they are players that have very high ceilings. And, and anyone that's followed me for any period of time knows that I'm a big believer in high ceilings. And we're going to right now we're going to pull up as we're talking about this. I'm going to pull up some um, some of Holden Stace's film. So there may be a little bit of a, a sound bump here at the beginning. I'll try to mute that as quickly as possible. But let's kind of dive into Holden's film here real quick. So this is some clips that I put together of Holden Stace. And, and what you're going to see here is you're going to see a young man that has tremendous size. This is, is a junior film. He's 6'4", 230 plus pounds very long. He's He's got, you see this here, good long speed, very good hands, very good body control, quality athlete. And I think right now there's a lot of technical work that he needs. To, so you'll see here, uh, he's in the, he's in this number three player here, a little slow off the line. That's more of a technical thing. His stance puts him in a position where he's kind of got a reset. You see him dipping his feet there, uh, dipping his legs at the, at the line, kind of that false step. You're going to see that again here, a false step there. Uh, where it just takes him a, a, a while to get long, get going, that is a thing that can be corrected with coaching. I have no problem seeing that because I can work on that as a position coach. John McNulty, although I, you know, I think he's getting used to recruiting at Notre Dame. I think that's part of the reason he maybe took Jack Nickel a little bit early because based on when he was recruiting at Rutgers, Jack Nickel's a, a big time player. Well, at Notre Dame, you know, you you got to get a little bit better. So I think maybe that was an adjustment he needed to make. But one thing that I don't doubt is that John McNulty is an outstanding football coach and, and a teacher of that position. So to me, guys like this, and I'm going to go back to this and just see those bot. Look, look how quickly he gets his hands up there to make that catch. This is this is the kind of stuff that uh, I like to see that I'm impressed by. You see him get hit hard there. Here's another one that he catches kind of over the middle, just snatches the ball out of the air, puts his puts his shoulder down, runs over a guy. 
those are there's a lot to work with there, but he's a really raw player. When you have a coach that's as good as John McNulty as a teacher of the position, this is exactly the kind of guy you want. Athletic, really great frame, very good body control. That's that's great field awareness there to keep his feet in bounds. You saw it earlier when he kind of did a back shoulder. There he is catching a ball with a guy draped all over him. This is a good football player, and he's a good prospect now. He's got big-time potential, big-time upside, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. But now the key is there's a lot of programs going after him. Great body control there. There's a lot of programs going after him. The next step is now you got to get him. You got to get him in the class. Now uh, you, you've opened up the room for him. There he is catching a ball out wide. You've opened up the room for him. Now it's time to close. Uh, I felt like Notre Dame has been close to adding him into the class for a while now. Uh, but now it's about finishing it off. And now we're going to find out what kind of recruiter John McNulty is. So, again, John McNulty's gotten commitments from two tight ends since he's been at Notre Dame. That's a great over-the-shoulder catch there right there. Good ball, good deep ball, just tracking the ball very well. Accelerates through the look back. This is what I'm talking about. Watch when he when he runs this corner route. He doesn't slow down when he looks back. He accelerates through the look back. That, that is not easy for young players to do. So I'm impressed by that. The ball skills are there, and that's what I like about it. But we not we need to find out now just what kind of recruiter climbed over top of the defense. Great decision there. What kind of recruiter John McNulty is, and 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 we're going to find that out by by seeing how he closes. He's landed Mitchell Evans and Jack Nickel, neither of which, in my view, on my scale, were four star recruits. Um, so again, when you're at Notre Dame, you got to be recruiting the best of the best. And to me, Stace and Raritan are on my board, both four and a half star players, both clearly top two hundred guys with potential to grow into top 100 caliber guys when it's all said and done. So those are the things I like about Holden Stace. Here's a couple of plays of him blocking that you're going to like. I really like this kid a lot. I think this kid's a good football player, and I think he has a chance to be to be a difference maker for Notre Dame. And so as we're talking here, I'm also going to try to pull up some Eli, Eli Raritan film so we can kind of take a peek at that. And if you haven't seen him yet, you'll get a chance to see both of these guys kind of playing and, and, and just see what Notre Dame sees. So that's where we're at with tight end recruiting. That's the latest of, of what Notre Dame kind of how they got here. Again, if you're, if you join late, this is a situation where Notre Dame, this is not an unexpected move. Notre Dame saw this coming. This was not a situation where Notre Dame forced him out of the class. This isn't a situation where uh, Notre Dame, said, hey, you know, we don't want you. You got to go. They told him they would take him. He, they, he had a spot in this class reserved for him, re referring to Jack Nickel. But now that he is out of the class, it really opens up big opportunities for Notre Dame. As we're finishing up here, let's wrap up and, and as far as this, this tight end discussion. We'll go to question in a minute, but let's take a look at some Eli Raritan film uh, here and, and just you can see what we're talking about. The first thing you're going to notice is he's big guy. Now, what I like about these two together is you're going to see Eli Raritan lining up outside a lot. He's a skinnier kid, very athletic, long, can line up outside, can line up in the slot, can can run good routes. He's going to get more explosive as he kind of fills out his body, whereas with Holden Stace can also do some of those things. But you're, but Holden Stace is a guy that has more capability of being an inline blocker. So you know, kind of think of a, a bigger version of Tommy Tremble in, in that how he lined up. He can line up attached to the line of scrimmage. He can block nine techniques. He can block down. He can work to the second level. And you can then use Holden Stace to move around. Or excuse me, you can then use Eli Raritan to, to move around. Watch that burst off the line. So just you can see the difference in those two players just in that regards. 
uh, as far as just the, how, how quickly Eli gets off the line of scrimmage. So watch this play right here coming up. Just watch how quickly he explodes off the line. This is huddle film right there. Really gets up on the defenders fast, tracks the deep ball very well. He's got a lot of receiver to his game. And, and that's what I look for at tight end. I like compliments. I like it at receiver as well. I don't like having four or five tight ends that do the exact same thing. I think that limits how effective and how versatile you can be when you're attacking your opponents. I like guys that bring unique complementary skill sets. And, and what I like about this duo, should Notre Dame be able to land them both in this class, is they bring complementary skills to each other. And to me, that is very, very important. So you're getting a little bit of a glimpse of these two prospects. You're, you're seeing why Notre Dame is, is high on both of them. And you're seeing a much different level of athleticism with these two than you will when you watch Jack Nickel. And I think that's the big thing for me. I think Jack is 6'4", he's 230, he's got... He's, he We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Catches the ball well, but he is a throwback tight end. And when you're Notre Dame, you don't necessarily want that in a class. And even if a guy like Brock Wright, Brock Wright was a throwback tight end and how they used him. But as Brock Wright showed at the pro day, Brock Wright's a much better athlete than you would think based on the role for which he was used at Notre Dame. And if Brock Wright had a hard time cracking the tight end lineup, then it's going to be extremely hard for a guy like Jack Nichols. So that's kind of where we're at. So last, watch these last couple clips of, of, uh, Eli Raird, and then you'll get it, and we'll, we'll we'll move on and answer your questions and talk a little bit more about recruiting. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. He's a really big kid. He competes in the run game. You know, he's going to have to get a lot stronger, but I love his willingness to battle in the run game. He just, he, you know, put him up against other D1 players and he's not going to be as effective, but that'll come in time. As he gets in the weight room more, he certainly has the DNA and the genes to put on more size and more weight. His dad played offensive line at Notre Dame. 
But look at that competitiveness. Look at that leg drive. You saw the play earlier. We was so again. You're not taking a guy that's only a pass catcher. You're not taking a you know a, a, a one trick pony. You're taking a kid that can do all those things, but he just does them in a different way and from a different place. And that's what I like about it. So there we are. That is the latest on what Notre Dame is doing at tight end. Let's kind of go through here uh, and see if we have any 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 questions here. Um, So, so just so we're clear, Spartan B88, it's not great news. You never like to see it. I don't like to see it for Jack, but it's not that it's not great news because as we talked about, this is this was to be this was to be expected. Um Jordan, I, I think I answered this earlier. If you didn't catch it, I think one tight end in this class is fine. Uh, it's not ideal because you're now if it's not ideal if something happens somebody leaves early somebody transfers somebody gets hurt somebody changes positions then you're a little tight on numbers uh and you definitely couldn't you couldn't sustain a second loss i think if everything goes to plan you can get away with just one tight end i think two would be my ideal number in this class as i've kind of looked at the numbers and think about well you know what are the odds michael mayer's around for four years that kind of thing so i i think that one is perfectly fine and Two, two would be ideal and, and give them much more room, a much greater margin for error should Notre Dame uh, have something happen at the position. Here we go. Ryan Kirby says, uh, Stace and Raritan are the best of the three of them. Agree completely. Um, Jordan uh, asks, so who, uh, what do you, who do you want Notre Dame to grab a tight end in 2023? How many commits do you think Notre Dame will take next year? Most likely one, barring a dramatic reshuffling of the roster. So if we see a transfer or two between now and next year, then you could have another year of taking two. If we see a transfer and perhaps a position change or something along those lines, or a guy has a really devastating injury, then we could see again, a second guy. As far as who I want, it's a little too early for that. If you look at the the board, I'm going to pull the, the 2023 offers up right now. There's a kid from Arizona named Deuce Robinson. I believe that's his name. Deuce Robinson uh, is from the same high school as Tosh Baker. He's a pretty good player. He's a guy to keep an eye on. He's a top-ranked guy. Uh, Mac Markway from Missouri is more of a big throwback kind of guy that Notre Dame is on. Jackson Howard is the other tight end from Minnesota that they've offered. So it's a little early to say who I definitely want, but there are some guys on the board. And what I'm curious about at this point in time, Jordan, is I'm curious to see does this also – so, yes, they're going to make their move with these two guys, but now that Jack's out of the class and, and you've kind of got your two in this in the 2022, do we see them start to expand the tight end board a little bit for 2023? That's something I think we could see happen over the next couple months. But priority number one right now for Notre Dame is get Stace and Raritan in the class. That's the first thing that they have to do uh, in in order to, to, uh, to get him into the class. So uh, – uh, Thomas Walsh, Jack Nickel was class of 2022, correct? Yes, you are correct. That is, um, that is, that is true. He's a 2022 kid. Um, here's a good question. Flynn F. Hill, is there any chance this speaks to a philosophy shift to signing an additional receiver as opposed to two, two multiple tight ends? I don't think that's the case. I think what this does, however, is, is where it could, it could signify a shift maybe to a degree in that, the tight ends they're going after now, they're still going to bring in two, but they're more pass catcher oriented tight ends where Jack Nickel was more of a throwback blocker slash chain mover type of tight end. So if there's any shift, you could say that is it, but that's really what they've always looked for. They've always looked for guys that could do more. And that's what made taking Jack Nickel when they took him a little bit confusing because 
you say this is not the kind of guy Notre Dame normally gets. Normally they get a, a higher level, uh, a, a more of a, a modern tight end as opposed to the traditional tight end. Uh, and when they have taken more traditional tight ends, it's been a high, a dynamic type of guy like a Brock Wright. All right. Um, no, I don't think they're making room for a fifth linebacker, Justin. Sorry. Uh, Ryan Kirby says, are there any other tight ends you'd like to see Notre Dame offer? Uh, honestly, Ryan, I'm happy with the two they have. I, I would honestly, it, would it hurt them to, to maybe focus on some other offers? Maybe. I don't think that they should. I like the two guys that, they, that they're after. The only other tight end that I would have liked to see Notre Dame go after in this class um, was a kid they were actually recruiting to play defensive end. That's Elijah Brown from Ohio, but he's committed to Alabama now. And, and so I don't think you're going to um, uh, to, to see them make a move for him. But I, I really think that the focus right now, Ryan, is on get the two guys on the board. I think these are two really good football players. And I think they're guys that, that would be you – know, it's hard to say that they're needle movers because I don't know if Notre Dame can move the needle any, forward, any more forward as a, as a tight end group. So I wouldn't say that they're needle movers at this position. They're not gap closers. I think what this these two guys do is you're already recruiting tight end better than anybody in the country. At worst, you're recruiting as good as anyone in the country. So it's hard to say they, I mean, what gap are they closing at that point in time? But I think what this does is this gives them the opportunity to continue that with Kane Barong last year. Uh, and then these, if they're able to land these two players this year, you're continuing what you've been doing, which is just landing high ceiling, versatile the tight ends and and um and that's what i think these guys are sid irish says we should take nothing but the best at tight end at tight end at tight end you i com i agree completely i think that's why the staff sort of kept pushing like hey we we should do better here and we can do better here ashley from beaverton thank you welcome ashley good to have you with us kma preston says so is it is it very likely we get both stace and raritan now i don't want to say very likely because you know, there's still work to be done, but I think Notre Dame is in position to where I, I would be a little surprised if they don't get both of them. But again, until guys make the decision to join the class publicly, it's it's hard to say that it's, you know, it's very likely they have to make the move. But I think right now, as of today, it's a Tuesday, April 13th. I think Notre Dame is in good, really good position with both players, but they, they've got to close. And that's, you know, that's always that's always the hardest part. Kenny Moore says, Stace has unbelievable potential. He is electric. Kenny, I agree with you. I think he's an outstanding player. Um, Tommy Tremble was a three-star. Not by me, Sid Irish. Not by me. I had him as a four-star player. With I believe I gave him five-star upside grade. I'm not 100% sure about that. But, no, I argue with people. That I was back at Rivals at the time. I was back at Blue and Gold at the time, and I would debate and argue with people all the time. Tommy Tremble. If Tommy's a Tremble's a three-star recruit, then I don't, I don't know how to evaluate tight ends. Uh, and I think he showed during his Notre Dame tenure that he definitely was a four-star tight end, and he's going to get drafted in the first two, three rounds of this draft. He was not a a three-star recruit by me. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's see if there's any more tight end questions. Here we go. Uh, KMA Preston. So did he leave the class because he didn't want to be in a class with other tight ends? No, it, it wasn't that. Jack, look, you don't commit to Notre Dame as a tight end, if you're afraid of competition, you don't, whether it's guys in your class or next year's, the previous year's class or the class behind you, you don't commit to play at Notre Dame if you're worried about competition. So I don't want to say that. And I don't think, I don't know if you're necessarily implying that. 
I just want to make sure that people don't think I'm implying that he was afraid of competition. It's also about being realistic. And when the when the staff says, or you feel like, yes, they're going to recruit other tight ends, but they like those tight ends better than you. The odds are it's not about competition. It's about being smart and, and thinking about, okay, am I going to really have the opportunity to play there? The staff was honest with Jack. Jack was honest with the staff. I think that both sides of this handled this, in my opinion, really well. And I think this is just an opportunity for him to go somewhere where he is going to be considered the top guy. Now, he'll have to compete wherever he goes, and he knew he was going to compete at Notre Dame. I think it's just about saying this is just – it just makes more sense when you know that you're not a top guy for them and, and you know it's going to be hard for you to get on the field no matter how well you play. That's what I say. But th- in no way, shape, form, or fashion should anyone accuse Jack Nickel of being afraid of competition. Because – it makes why would he commit to Notre Dame in the first place? You don't come to Notre Dame. It's like saying an offensive lineman's afraid of competition to sign with Notre Dame. Well, if you're afraid of competition, you don't ever commit to Notre Dame. So I, I would say that would be an unfair ca- uh, uh, characterization of, of anyone is making that about him. So this is the sentiment that I'm seeing from a lot of people. Stace and Eli will be Irish, got to land the best tight ends at Notre Dame with wish nickel the best. Yeah, you have to. This is one of those things where you have to – this is a position where you have to um, become the best. K- KMA Preston S is rarer than a guy you see becoming a four-star on the recruiting sites. I don't know what his recruiting ranking is. I don't. He may already be a four-star. Honestly, I haven't looked at it, Preston. I don't really pay a lot of attention to that stuff. He is already a four-star for me. And, you know, that's all I all I really care about. And I, I know that Notre Dame views him as a as a highly ranked player as well. So we got a question down here. Um, John A1, thanks for the same. Thanks for the super chat, John. I also got one from Jason. Jason, appreciate that. Great show. Where do you put tight end recruiting compared to the other offensive positions? O-line, wide receiver, running back, quarterback. So, John, are, could you could you respond to this question and let me know if you're referring to um, if they get those two commitments or where things stand in regards to landing those two commitments. And if you, when you follow up with that, I'll come back and, and answer your question as far as where do I put tight end recruiting compared to those other two, or, you know, is, is it overall like over the course of the last few years, this class, the odds of, of finishing off those kind of things, just a little bit more clarity. Cause I want to make sure I answer your, your question um, the way that you're asking it. So Jack Sullivan says, um, Jackson Howard is who I'd go for in terms of 2023 absolute stud. He's very good. There's no doubt about it, Jack. My whole point is, is that it's just too early, in my opinion, to settle on a guy because the, these uh, some of these guys in 2023 haven't even played their sophomore seasons yet. It's too early to, to say this guy's going to be a stud. Number one, we don't know if he's going to continue developing or if he's going to kind of stagnate. I was talking with somebody at Ohio State this weekend, and, and I was talking about Jack Meyer – um, uh, the Myers kid that that's uh, Josh Myers. that's going to the NFL now who ended up playing center. When I saw him as a sophomore in high school, he was one of the best offensive tackles I had ever seen at that level. But then as he got older, he got stiff. He got a little tight and he was still a really good offensive lineman, but he, he couldn't play tackle anymore. So you gotta, you gotta give it time, but then we don't know if there's some guys that are about to break out to be even better who haven't, who haven't had a chance to show that yet. You know what I mean? So I don't agree with what you're saying. I just think that when you, and Jay also likes Jackson Howard. Jay likes him as well. And I do too. He's a really good player. I just think, number one, so is Deuce Robinson. Number two, let's just let it develop a little bit. And when you've signed two in 2021, and they're hoping to get two in 2022, you're in a position to be patient. 
and get the very best. And maybe it is Jackson Howard. It could very well be. I just think we need to let the class develop a little bit before we jump into it. Here's a question from Jason. Rank Bauman, Barong, Evans, Stace, and Raritan. So, so Jason, I'm going to go, I'm going to rank them based on upside. So if they all kind of pan out and maximize their ability, how I would rank that foursome, I'd put Evans number five, I'd put Bauman four, I'd go, I'd probably go Raritan one, and then it's hard for me to determine between Stace and Barong. I think they're both very good. I'd probably put Stace a little bit ahead just because his body's a little better than Kane's was at the same age, but I think a case could be made for, for Kane there. I honestly think if you look at Kane, Stace, and Raritan, we could, you and I could argue for 10, 15, 20 minutes about who should be one, two, and three. It's that close. Just for me, I go with Raritan because I think his combination of elite size. I mean, he's six, 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 seven, incredibly long arms. Uh, he's, I, I'd say probably, I'd say Kane's probably the fastest straight ahead, but I think Raritan, when you look at that size, he's very quick. He's got more of a, more room for adding even more to his body. Uh, I think the fact that he is more of a multi-use tight end, which is even more the rage nowadays, is probably why I put him number one. But, you know, if, if somebody wanted to tell me that they thought Barong should be number one, I'm not going to argue with them. If somebody wanted to tell me that Stay should be number one, I'm not going to argue with them, other than the fact I like to argue, which you've known over the years that I like to argue. So um, Gabe Weiss asks, 2023 tight end class looking strong. It's too early for that, to be honest with you, for the reasons that I – um, that I had kind of mentioned before. I just, it, it, there's a lot of kids. Let's not forget folks. A lot of States didn't play 2020, 2020 football in the fall. And so that means a lot of these kids as, as sophomores didn't get a chance to go out and play and prove themselves. There's going to be kids that emerge over the next year in camps, uh, as people look at freshman film, as they dive in. And when we get into the fall, there's going to be kids emerge. So it's too early for me to say that this 2023 class is the one that I think has suffered the most so far from a recognition standpoint and putting lists together uh, of any of the classes because of all the, the stuff that happened because of COVID. So it, it's too early to tell that, but what I will say and to what Jack and a couple other people alluded, it's a real top heavy tight end class. Or I would argue that, that we're already seeing better tight ends at the top of the board. And, and you all tell me if it, the people that have watched 2023 film and 2020 film to 2022 film of tight ends, you tell me if you agree or disagree with this. I think 22 is a, is a pretty good tight end class from a depth standpoint, but no elite. There's no Cole Komet. There's no, uh, you know, no guys that, you know, there's no Michael Mayer that I've seen yet in 2022. 23, I don't know what it's going to look like from a depth standpoint because of what I just mentioned. But already I'm seeing some guys at the top that at, at the same age are already better than the guys that are in the 22 class from just a, the top of the board kind of thing. And so now you're in a position where if you're Notre Dame, Game, if you can get Stace and Raritan in the class somewhat early, you're in a position where you can now focus on finding that best guy and go after him. Nick uh, Thilmany, I'm gonna. I hope I pronounce your name right. Could Eli Raritan be used as more of a Tyler Eifert? That meaning spread out wide as a pass catcher? Absolutely. I, I think that's one of the things I like about him the most, and especially when you fit him with Holden Stace, is they can both line up outside. They can both line up attached, but. Stace is much better from attached to position than Raritan is, and I think Raritan isn't even better from an outside position. Now, Stace and Raritan are both about the same from a slot standpoint, but I think Raritan is the kind of guy that you can line him up backside by himself like Notre Dame used to do with Tyler Eifert and say, 
to the, what are you going to do? You're going to put a corner on them and then we're just going to throw back shoulders. You're going to put a linebacker on them. You're going to put a safety on them. And then that opens up some other opportunities to the field. Cause we've not taken one of your bigs out of the box. So I think that's the kind of opportunity he presents. And that's why I love his upside so much back to Jason's question. He presents matchup opportunities that are unique compared to the other tight ends on the board. And those guys are all good players. So uh, that's kind of where, where I'm at with that. So um, Sid Irish, appreciate you being, appreciate you being here, man. Appreciate you liking it. Um, so here's a good question. Jordan Schreiber, if Notre Dame goes only with one tight end, could they get Bradshaw and Tyler Morris? How's it going with uh, CJ Williams and Merriweather? Do both have official visits, official set with all these receiver? What What's all these receiver ceilings, ceiling number? So I, I don't think, I don't think Notre Dame is going to take Bradshaw and Morris, and I hope I'm wrong on that. I think they're going to try to get Morris first and not take Bradshaw. I hope I hope that I'm wrong on that. I think they should take both. And you all know that that I I have a I have a feeling that I have a much higher opinion of Bradshaw than Notre Dame does, which is unfortunate. But we'll see we'll see if I'm I'm hope I'm wrong on that. But we'll we'll see about that. But I don't think taking a second tight end necessarily takes away from that because this Notre Dame's been wanting to take two tight ends for a while. I think that what could happen is they could take Bradshaw and Morris if they don't feel they're going to get another one of the the outside guys like Williams or Merriweather. Now Williams has an official visit set to Notre Dame. I believe, I believe it's the first weekend of June, but he has set an official visit. I believe it's the first weekend of June. I don't believe Tobias Merriweather has set his official date yet, but I would expect him to. I'd be a little surprised if he doesn't take a visit. I think Notre Dame is in the top five with Merriweather, but they got to get him on campus. That's that's going to be the big thing. Now with CJ Williams, they're making a bit of a comeback on him, which is good. But they've got to get him on campus. And look, USC is going to be tough to beat. USC, when it comes to modern day kids, is very hard to beat. I can't remember the last time that that other than the quarterback, Bryce Young, that's at Bama, they just don't lose guys from modern day very often. And well, Bama's actually beaten for a couple because I believe USC wanted Tommy Brown, the offensive lineman, and he went there as well. I believe. I could be wrong on that. But I believe they also wanted him. But as far as ceilings, to me, of the guys you mentioned, Bradshaw and Merriweather have the highest ceilings, and then Morris and Williams are there next. They all they're very four different players. If you know Bradshaw to me is that electric dynamic after the catch guy. T- Tyler Morris is to me he's TJ Jones. That that's who he is. CJ Williams is is sort of like a Juju Smith kind of guy, not a burner, not a great speed guy, but just a big physical and big meaning body type. He's only about six one and a half. But great hands, good route runner. Can he can make plays even when he's covered? Uh, he brings a lot. And then Tobias Merriweather, the comp that I use for him is T. Higgins. Very similar bodies. You know, not a burner. You know, T. Higgins ran like a mid to high four five at his pro day going to the NFL draft, but he still averaged like 18, 19 yards per catch uh, at Clemson. And he had a pretty good rookie year because he's just a really good athlete, knows how to get open. And that's what I love about Tobias. He got great ball skills. I Tobias Merriweather, in my opinion, has the highest ceiling of all the outside receivers that Notre Dame is recruiting, including C.J. Williams. He has the highest ceiling of all of them. And then I think Bradshaw has the highest ceiling of the the XZ type of receivers. And that's just my opinion. I don't know if Notre Dame agrees with me, but that's how I see it. KMA Preston, how many tight ends do you think Notre Dame takes in the 23 class? Barring a, a dramatic roster adjustment, meaning guys get hurt, they go on medical, they transfer, um, somebody switches position. I think one is going to be the number. It's hard for me to see them taking two 
in four straight classes. Even though I expect Michael Mayer to be gone by the time the 23 class shows up, which just shows you how insane and how far ahead we're talking with recruiting now. We're talking about Notre Dame recruiting kids that won't even be on campus That when Michael Mayer goes for the NFL. It's, it's pretty wild. All right. So, John, to follow up on your, uh, referring in general over the last few years, where do you value? So, I think Notre Dame has recruited tight end as well as any position that they've got. I think, especially when you look at the numbers, you know, if you go back to the, the tight ends that are still left on the, on the, on the roster, so the classes. So, in 2018, they got George Takis and Tommy Tremble. I thought that was a great combination. 2019, they passed on tight ends because they already had commitments from early commitments from Michael Mayer and Kevin Bauman. So it was kind of like when they passed on tight ends in 2016 because they had already had commitments from Cole Komet uh, and um, uh, and Brock Wright in the 2017 class. So uh, that was a shoot they chose, and it wasn't a great tight end year in 2016. I don't think it was a necessarily great tight end year in 2019. So I actually thought it was a smart decision to pass and then take the two studs the following year. Uh, and so that was the that was the 2020 class, 2021 class. I love Kane Barong. I don't have an issue with taking taking Mitchell Evans. I don't think he's going to pan out. I just from evaluating, but six seven, two forty, good athlete, young body. He could be a surprise. He could make me look bad in a couple years by by panning out. That's what Notre Dame is is hoping that he'll do. So I, I like that kind of project when you've recruited Notre, tight end as well as Notre Dame has. Every few years, you can take a high upside project like that, and that's what I think Mitchell Evans was. And so I had no problem taking that one. The only tight end commitment that they got that I had an issue with was Jack Nickel, and, and that's not an issue anymore. And if they're able to land Stace and Raritan, to your question, John, this that gives them – and, and I'm going to pull up his original question in relative to other positions. I don't know if you've if they've recruited a position as consistently well as that one. I don't think they have. Maybe on offense, maybe the offensive line, but like quarterback up and down, uh, running back up and down, although it's getting much better since Lance Taylor arrived. But if we're looking at the last four or five years, we have to take into consideration the Autry Denson years. But, you know, it's uh, Kyron Williams in 19, Chris Tyree in 20, Estime and Logan Diggs in 20 in 2021. Now you've got Jadarian Price in 22. You're trying to add a second guy. Running back recruiting is coming along. Receiver recruiting, again, up and down. 18, great receiver class. 19, you struck out on some guys. You've Neither of those receivers they got 19 are still part of the team. Or excuse me, one's not part of the team and one is now playing cornerback. 2020, really good class. 2021, really good class. 20 And 22, it, it's up and down. We got to see how they finish. If they can finish strong in 22 at receiver, then that position has now been steadified. Running back has now become steady. Offensive line is steady, dipping a little bit from where it was in the peak Harry Heastan years, but you're still bringing in high upside guys like uh, like Tosh Baker, like Rocco Spindler, and of course Blake Fisher. It's just the third, fourth, and fifth guys in the classes aren't as good as they used to be, and we'll see if this class is is going to kind of get them back on track. Uh, you know, not a good sign that they didn't fi finish in the top five for Tyler Booker, but that was always going to be a tough one to get. Um, but you know, now it's, if you don't get Zach Rice, you're like, well, who's going to be the, the true stud in this class. And, and I don't know if they're going to get that guy. So, um, I say tight end to me right now, if we just took the last four to five years in consideration is arguably Notre Dame's best position from a recruiting standpoint on the entire roster. And then the year before we even that, that, that we kind of, of the time that we looked at, they got Cole Komet and Brock Wright. 
So, I mean, when Brock Wright can't get on the field, you're loaded. You're loaded at tight end. All right. See if we got any more questions down here. Um, CBAM, here's a question. Who on the big board as of now do you see as a game changer if they end up at Notre Dame? Top guy in terms of impact. So real quick, uh, are you referring to tight end or tight end receiver running back in general on offense? So if you can follow up on that. At tight end, I, as far as game changers, I don't know if the two guys they're getting in this class would be considered game changers because you know they're already so good there. But again, they are continuing the trend of landing big time tight ends. Uh, if you're looking at the the entire position group, you know I think that Nicholas Singleton can be that at running back. I think Dallin Hayden can be that. Gavin Sawchuck can all be that at running back. At wide receiver, Xavion Bradshaw to me is a game changer. Tobias Merriweather can be, but he has he's one of those kind of guys that elite five star upside, but his ceiling is a little lower. He's got some growing into that body to do. So I wouldn't necessarily, you know, again, T. Higgins is the comp there. So if he pans out and as good as I think he could be, he could be a game changer. You know, I, I don't view C.J. Williams as a game changer. I think C.J. Williams is an excellent wide receiver, but but more of a, you know, a volume guy, 70-plus catches, 12 to 14 yards per catch, you know, third down chain mover, one-on-one -on -one back shoulders, red zones. Certainly an impact guy, but, you know, when I think game changer, I think Golden Tate, I think Michael Floyd, I think Will Fuller. Uh, I think C.J. Williams is more of a Miles Boykin, whereas Tobias Merriweather could be a Chase Claypool, if that makes sense. And Chase Claypool, when it was all said and done, was a was a game changer. Another Jackson Howard lover here, Brandon. I get it. I get it. And I don't disagree with any of that. I just think it's too early to say you're going to go. Um, you're going to go. Here's who you're going to get this early. So we'll see how it turns out. All right, see if any more uh, any more questions here. We have lots of questions, lots of comments. Um, hey, here's one. British boy, or, or uh, Bry Irish boy says, uh, can we retire the baby Gronk nickname? Uh, yes, I'm a big fan of that. I like using comps when it comes to, I'm trying to explain to you what his game is like. I hate the baby Gronk stuff because we see it every year now. I was watching a, a film of 2019. I can't remember what team I was watching. Oh, it was Pat Fryermuth, and they were calling him Baby Gronk. And it's just, it's kind of annoying. Um, let these kids be who they are. And, you know, look, he's a he's a pretty darn good football player. He doesn't need to be anybody's baby. He's a he's an outstanding player uh, in his own right. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to develop here over these next couple of years. Um, here we go. Here we go. Justin Knox, Mayor is a once every five years type of talent. Agree completely. Agree completely. There, there wasn't a, a Michael Mayer in the 2021 class. There's not a Michael Mayer in the 2022 class. There's not, maybe there's one in 24, but yeah, every three to five years, you're going to get a guy like him that comes along. Jason says, Raritan has a bunch of Thomas Fedone in him, not the pure quickness, but the rest is close. I would agree with that. I, I would actually, I would argue, Jason, and I'm curious to see what your thoughts is on this. I think Fedone is a senior, was a better player than Raritan is right now. I would argue, however, that I believe that Raritan's junior film is better than Fadone's junior film. Now, Fadone obviously got a lot better as a senior, and he was already a top 150 guy. He got a lot better as a senior, in my opinion, and he was already pretty good. So I, I felt he was the best tight end in last year's class. And I think Raritan is very similar. And if he makes the kind of 
progress of the next year, I think he could be that top 100 caliber player as well. So I think, but if, if we're taking out who's better, I think when you just compare the skill sets, Jason, the body type and the skill sets, absolutely. I think they're very, very similar comparable players. Um, here we go. All right. Uh, Gabe Weiss, look, we're kind of taking all questions right now. If you weren't taking, uh, here we go. If you were coaching Angelian Buckner, what would be the first thing you would coach them on? Footwork, throwing motion, et cetera. Uh, with, with Buckner, it's just about cleaning things up. I think sometimes Tyler gets a, a little bit outside of his body and you'll see his arms start to get out. I think for him, it's just about developing a level of consistency when he's playing live reps. Because here's the thing that Tyler is, is going to be a challenge for Tyler, but it's actually a positive. So when you watch him in his like quarterback coach videos, he's very mechanically sound, you know, good footwork and everything is in rhythm. But when he gets on the field, the one year we saw him, he's a game changer. He's a gamer. He's a get outside the box, throw off platform, you know, get on the run, take off running. And so sometimes when you have those two things can become sort of a, uh, they don't fit well together at first. And so when you get him into the, the moving around mode and the game modes, he can kind of lose some of that footwork a little bit. So I think getting getting him more consistent with this footwork in a game setting while also not taking away from his playmaker ability is going to be the thing I would focus on beyond just normal stuff about going through reads and progressions and things like that. You know, when, when it comes to Steve Angeli, I think the thing for him, and, and we're going to see if he can develop that over these next couple of years as he continues to mature and get more experience, is, you know, he's a big kid. He's got a decent arm. I don't know how much stronger it's going to get. He's not a great athlete, but he's mobile in the pocket from a footwork standpoint. So I, I like him. He's fundamentally sound, very fundamentally sound. But when I watch him play, he he has to get through his progressions quicker. He's got to throw with better timing. He's similar to Ian Book in that regards. And that's an area where I'd want to see him improve. Uh, he's a he's a good, solid football player. I just don't see anything great uh, about him. All right, here we go. Uh, Nick, uh, heard at the end of the defensive line show, we may not get the two-hour shows anymore. The longer shows help me get through work. Thanks for the shows and the Irish talk. Well, just so what I'm saying is, it's not that we're not going to still have – we're going to have more live shows. It's just instead of having like one big, long one at on Friday – which it may still go that way because you guys know me. If you if you keep asking questions, I'm going to keep answering them, especially if they're on topic of what we're discussing that day. So they may still go long. It's just just trying to get more. So that way we're trying to get shows every day, so that people can be a part of it. And and uh, but trust me, we'll we'll still have plenty for you to to talk about. And then of course, uh, days like today are going to happen where things kind of come up and we decide to jump on them and talk about them. So we'll we'll continue um, to, to get there. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, let's see here. Huh? <laughs> I'm not going to say this out loud. Uh, well, I can't even put it up there. Bry Irish boy. I'm not sure how YouTube is going to handle that one, but I, I like that one. If you're in the chat, go look what Bry Irish boy, uh, put up as far as what he would put for Ty uh, Michael Mayer's nickname. I kind I kind of like that one. Um, uh, Hey, you know what? This is what I love. Um, this is classy right here. This is from Jack Nichols dad. Best of luck to the Irish. And that's what I was saying to y'all earlier. From what I've been told, both sides of this has hand, have handled this really well. And the and the Nickel family has been understanding and really handled this with class. And I think this right here uh, is an example of that. Um, here's an interesting question. Are you friends with any of the Notre Dame coaching staff? 
or how do you get your inside info? Um, I'm not going to tell you how I get my inside info because then they may try to stop those revenue streams. I am not friends with any of the current Notre Dame coaches. Uh, I don't necessarily work to become friends with them because when you become friends with them, it makes it harder to do your job because then you have to have those awkward conversations of why did you criticize what I did? Uh, what I will say is there have been Notre Dame coaches in the past that I have been much closer with, and they were guys that usually had no problem with that. And, and I'll share I'll share an ex a couple examples with you. Uh, so I, I, I wrote an article in 2017, and I criticized something that I thought Mike Elko had done, a ca couple calls that he had made in the game. And I was friendly with him. I wouldn't say we're friends, but I still talked to him every now and then. He was a real respectful guy. I liked Mike Elko a lot personally. And so he hit me up and he said, hey, I saw what you said. And we talked ball for a few minutes. And he explained to me, well, here's what the actual call was. And he wasn't criticizing players, but he just understood what the call was. And we talked about it and he, and he corrected me. And I said, okay, well, now moving forward, I, can, I, I know that that's what you're looking to do. And I wouldn't be critical of it. Um, I was pretty close with Chip Long during his tenure at Notre Dame. And what I liked about Chip is he, he would take criticism. In fact, one day he calls me. I don't know if he would want me to tell you this, but I'm telling anyway, it's kind of funny. He calls me. He's like, man, you will not believe what some idiot on the beat wrote about me. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be interesting. So he starts reading it, and he's reading what I wrote about. It was before the Duke, the Notre Dame Duke game, and I had been critical of the fact that I didn't think he was running Ian Book enough. And so he called me and just, you know, it was having some fun with it and said, hey, you know, this guy's this idiot's criticizing me, and he reads what I wrote. He read my article to him. So I thought that was pretty funny. And then, of course, the next week, Ian Book went out and ran for 100 yards. So apparently he didn't think I was being too big of an idiot. Um, so I like your optimism. So that's good. Uh, Jordan asks, uh, do, so do you think Reese and the staff is going to push hard after Stace and Raritan's official and get the commitments then or before? I think they're going to push to get their commitments whenever they can get them. Uh, I think if they can get commitments tomorrow, they'll take them tomorrow. I think both of those players know very well that Notre Dame wants them in this class. There's no doubt about it. They know that they are wanted. So if they want to commit before, Notre Dame would take their commitment. If they get here on officials, then they will definitely push to get them in the class. But Notre Dame is not a school that necessarily pressures guys into committing, especially in this situation, since they both know that they're going to take them both. There can be some risk to that because then there's not as much leverage to have to get them in the class. But that's usually not how Notre Dame plays the game. When Notre Dame tells a kid, hey, we're running out of room, it's honest because there's three guys on the board that they like as much, and there's one spot. So they just let them know. You go to your first guy and say, look, just so you know, um, here's where we're at. And, and, and they'll kind of do those kind of things. So Tim Hatch asks, are there any tight ends that could grow, develop to an athletic left tackle? Um, if you're talking about on the current roster, perhaps Mitchell Evans, but I think that's one of the things that Notre Dame liked about Joe Alt, who they signed in the 21 class. Uh, Joe Alt was um, – Joe Alt is always – was always the guy that kind of – you saw that he was eventually going to grow into a tight end. You, you just knew he was going to be a tight end – or, I mean, an offensive tackle. And so you saw that body, and he was only like 240, 250, but you kind of saw it, and, and – that's a guy that they did. In the current class, the 22 class, I don't see any of those guys. Stace and Raritan are not those guys. Um, you know, Mitchell Evans is the only guy on the roster who could potentially be that um, as far as who, who could be those kind of guys. Griff Wheeler asks, what are you hearing on Billy Shrouth? I'm hearing the same thing on Billy Shrouth now that I've been hearing for months, and that is that he likes Notre Dame a lot and that Notre Dame is probably his leader. I don't know if he's waiting to visit again before committing, 
Uh, I don't know. He could pop. I mean, honestly, if Billy Shrouth committed tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked. If he waited to take an official visit, I, I wouldn't be shocked either. He's just – that's an interesting one, but I have fe felt for a long time that Notre Dame is in, has been in pretty good uh, position. Sid Irish, how long until we're talking about freshmen in high school and eighth graders? Already happening, dude. Eighth graders and freshmen are already getting offers. Uh, there's no question about that. All righty. Yeah, here we go. Let's get rid of that guy. All right, here we go. I like this. D-Rock Irish, 164 currently online. Let's hit the like button, fellow Notre Dame fans. Hit the like button before you exit tonight. Absolutely. Um, here we go. Um, all right. All right, so KMA Preston saw some people think Dallin Hayden is going to end up at Ohio State. Does this affect our running back recruiting at all? No, it doesn't in regards to – look, Ohio State's always been considered one of the teams to look for there. Uh, they have always been a team that was going to be either 1A or 1B for him. And Notre Dame, I don't know if they've done the best job recruiting him, but this is an example where, where I've written for a while. Notre Dame has yet to beat Tony Alford for a running back recruit that they wanted, uh, that Ohio State wanted. And Dallin Hayden's another one, and Nick Singleton's another one. So hope what I think if, if this does is if he does end up going to Ohio State, this could end up helping Notre Dame a little bit because Ohio State is one of three teams that are are really in it with Nicholas Singleton. The other two being Notre Dame and Penn State. So if they get Dallin Hayden, then then they're out for Nicholas Singleton. And then of course, if they were to get Singleton, it would have an impact on on uh, on the other kids. So. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of uh, where it is there. So uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. So um, let's see here. All right, Corey Dickerson, are you are you if you're talking about the current team uh, Friday, bring that Friday, Corey, if you could. So we're going to talk recruiting today. Uh, we're going to have our Friday podcast. Uh, where we'll talk about team stuff and recruiting. That'll be more of that Friday free-for-all. We may do a podcast on, on Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see. That's kind of team-related. We'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, but we're going to stick to recruiting here. But uh, safety position is interesting, very interesting. And, and I like what I've seen so far from, like, Houston Griffith. Justin Walters is progressing well. But we'll dive a little bit more into that on Friday if you're able to make the show um, uh, and, and be part of it. Uh, came in, is, Notre, is Singleton the top running back on Notre Dame's board? No, I, I don't think that they necessarily have one. That's why I've kind of always called it the big three. I think when you look at Sawchuck, Hayden, and Singleton, Notre Dame was in a situation where if any of those guys wanted to commit, they would come. That's that's how it would be. You get any of those three, and, and they would commit in the class. So I, I, I'd say, you know, maybe they have a priority. And usually when you have like that A group, you always kind of rank them one, two, three. But usually, when you'll have an A group where it's these four guys are our top guys, and we'll take we'll take whoever wants to come. Um, it, it's rare that you have a guy that's just so much better than everybody else that you kind of push off other really good players and say we want to get that guy uh, above all others. So I, I don't think that in that group any of those guys fit that mold. I think they would take any of those guys, and they're different players. They they're three distinctly different players in the class, and I think they'd like to get one of them to combine with Jadarian Price. But I also don't think that it's a necessary a, a necessity. You have to have two. I think it's more of a of a luxury where you're taking a really impact player. Uh, Jonathan says, I appreciate this, by the way, Jonathan. It seems like you're fostering a really positive community here, and I really appreciate it. The live shows have become the best parts of my week. We appreciate that. Um, really, really appreciate that. So um, we're going to continue to do that. And it's been fun building the channel. I, I, 
Vince and I were talking when we started actually uploading videos somewhat regularly was in January. We had like 300 subscribers and we're getting close to 2000 now. So it's been a lot of fun, uh, really, really building that up. So that's it for the questions that I have. If you have other questions right now, please leave them. Otherwise, we're going to wrap this thing up. And we actually made it under an hour. Um, oh, shoot. Here we go. We got one last one. Um, this is kind of a team question, but they're not on campus yet. So we'll kind of wear this one, um, go now. Uh, Briar's boy, moving to the running back side, do you feel Audric Estime's impact has been overlooked by Logan Diggs' commitment? He's a true Bauer back who can wear down and destroy defenses over the course of a game. I don't think he. I don't think it's been overlooked. I think a lot of people are excited about Audric Estime, and I think it's more of a really liking that combination. I think Logan Diggs can run over guys. I think Logan Diggs can get outside. Logan Diggs can catch the football. I think. I think. I think that uh, Audric Estime is a is a power back, but he's also got a little bit of Tony Jones in him, a, a more explosive version of Tony Jones, where he can make people miss. Um. So uh, you know, I, I think that um, you know, I, I think that. The, they're a really nice compliment and I don't think they're being overlooked. I think it's just about by, by, at least not by me and by the coaches. I think sometimes when you get in these situations, if guys aren't considered top recruits or from a certain region. So when you get, when you beat LSU for a running back from Louisiana, it's considered a, a bigger deal than getting a kid from New Jersey that you beat Michigan state for. Right. So I think there can be a perception that maybe one was bigger than the other, but I think Notre Dame was excited about both of those guys, and they were both really good pickups, really big pickups, and I like the fact that they um, added them together. I think that class, more than anything, stabilized the running back depth chart moving forward, and if you can then get a second really good player in this class, even if it's Quinshawn Judkins, who I like a lot, you can get a second back in this class. Now you're in a position where moving forward, it's like one a year, and you can just focus on the top guys, and they're already going after some really good backs uh, uh, in 2020 in 2023. So that's going to do it for tonight's show. Really appreciate all y'all jumping on. I know this was kind of last minute, but, uh, did not anticipate nickel decommitting today. I thought it would take a little bit longer. I thought he might kind of go the, the Greg Crippen route where he would take visits and then maybe find a school and then announce a, a commitment soon after. And he may do that, but it happened a little bit quicker than I thought. So we were able to jump on, talk about it. And I hope now you guys have an understanding, guys and gals have an understanding of kind of where Notre Dame is now with tight end recruiting, that this wasn't a surprise for Notre Dame. Uh, I really respect how both sides handled this. And I, and I believe this is going to work out really well for Notre Dame, probably sooner rather than later. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to have Vince and I are going to record a podcast tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be live. Uh, hoping to tomorrow night record a podcast with Bill Bender from USA Today Sports. He and I are going to talk about. Right now, it's scheduled for tomorrow night. It will not be live. We'll put it up Thursday morning. It'll be podcast and video form. So subscribe to the YouTube channel or subscribe for, via podcast. Hit the notifications bell so that you know when this podcast is ready. But we're going to present two different uh, expansion of the playoff, so to speak, uh, that we're going to both kind of share what we think should be done and uh, kind of talk about what, how we think no, how college football should correctly expand the playoff. He has some a very unique perspective on it. I have, a, I believe, a unique perspective on it, and I'm looking forward to talking to Bill. If you don't follow Bill Bender on Twitter, do so. Bill writes really good stuff. He writes for the Sporting News. I think I said USA Today. I apologize. Uh, he writes for the Sporting News. I, I, re- I, I rarely read um, anyone that writes about college football, and I've explained this before. I like to know that my thoughts are my own. I also know I'm not original, and when I've read someone write something, I can then be hesitant to write about it because then it feels like, well, you know, it just I like to have fresh ideas. 
And But Bill's one of the few people that I'll read. He does a really good job covering college football. Very fair to Notre Dame as well. He's one of the few national guys that, that I think is that way. So if you don't follow him on Twitter, follow Bill on Twitter. And I'm hoping to get him on tomorrow night to talk about Notre Dame football and the college football playoffs. So we'll be there. And then, of course, Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern, we will have a Friday free-for-all. We'll answer all your questions about Notre Dame and have a lot of fun doing it. So thank you all for being with us tonight. I've enjoyed it. We'll talk, uh, we'll talk to you all again very, very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.